0: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Evolver, sponsored by the Alchemist Kitchen, hosted by Ken Jordan.
1: For me, the spiritual realm introduced itself one spring afternoon in Berkeley, California. When I was writing the keynote address for a technology conference and took a break to walk around the block to get something to eat. I went maybe 10 feet down the sidewalk when suddenly the fresh little green leaves on a plant I couldn't name demanded my attention. I stopped and noticed that the branch and its green emanations were brilliantly alive. I was entranced. It glowed. It had information. Though it wasn't music. It sang a kind of song that lifted me. That song took me, slowly, to the next branch. Then the next plant, which was flowering. Every petal and articulation of brilliant intelligence. And so it went from hedge to bush, down the suburban street, as I felt myself enveloped in a field of resonance that caressed me with its kind intention. It took me an hour to make it to the corner. Before that moment... I couldn't have been more disconnected from the natural world that enabled my existence. I was most comfortable indoors. I wore long pants to the beach. The outside had an annoying unruliness that interrupted my concentration. But that afternoon was a turning point where I began to let go of my need to hold on to everything, to control, to convince myself that I knew what was really going on and instead allowed myself to release into a greater flow, one that contains so much more possibility than anything we humans can ever hope to fully comprehend. Nature is speaking to all of us with a gentle insistence, asking us to pay attention to so much that modern society has taught us to ignore. As Robin Rose Bennett says during today's episode, plants carry the wisdom of the planet. They speak to us. Indigenous cultures the world over understood how to hear those messages. But that wisdom has been disappearing as modern society and its materialist assumptions have disrupted traditional ways of knowing that had been the foundation of healthy, sustainable societies for millennia. Still, nature continues to speak and a new generation of plant conscious people is learning how to listen. Robin is one of the innovative teachers of this new way of paying attention. She is a renowned herbalist who combines study of indigenous practices with the scientific understanding of the healing properties of plants. Through her work, she gives voice to the healing wild food and medicine plants which surround us. For some, her approach might seem strangely alien and more than a bit witchy. But to me, she is guided by hard-won common sense that starts with the assumption that nature knows best. Robin Rose Bennett is an herbalist, green witch, and author of two spoken word meditation CDs, Moon Meditations and Ocean Meditations. She is also author of two books, Healing Magic, A Green Witch Guidebook to Conscious Living, and The Gift of Healing Herbs, Plant Medicines and Home Remedies for a Vibrantly Healthy Life. We spoke with Robin at the tail end of her one year sabbatical from her herbalism and teaching practice while she was on a Mexican island off the coast of the Yucatan Peninsula immersing herself in Spanish and completing a novel. This show is filled with specific suggestions and practical advice about how to embody your connection to plants in your daily life. Robin speaks about her practices from a place that I believe many of us will be arriving at and not too long from now. She's one of the witches pointing the way to what's next. Evolver is the proud parent of the Alchemist Kitchen, a botanical dispensary dedicated to the healing power of plants. At the Alchemist Kitchen, we work with the finest herbalists who are producing high quality botanical medicines, herbal remedies, and whole plant beauty products. At the Alchemist Kitchen, we're now entering the Season of the Witch, a celebration of the feminist, counter mainstream witch movement. The Alchemist Kitchen believes in the demystification of the witch and sees this archetypal figure as an essential part of our ethos. We see the Good Witch as integral to this mission. Beyond the natural healer, the Witch represents divine femininity, the wild woman, and the mystic. We strive to both defend this energy and encourage people to tap into their inner magic. We invite you to join us this season by attending events at our different locations, checking out our blog, shopping on our site, Reading our season of The Witch Zine, and browse our social media for witch tips and tricks. Today's episode of The Evolver with Robin Rose Bennett is part of a series that started with Allison Gray and Kim Kranz, and in coming weeks continues with the inspirational witches Pam Grossman and Starhawk. So watch for them. You can learn more at TheAlchemist'sKitchen.com. There's an S in there. Or stop by our flagship at 21 East First Street in Manhattan between Bowery and 2nd Avenue. The witch in us celebrates the witch in you. So, Robin, what does being an herbalist mean to you?
0: being an herbalist means i am in service to the plants i am in service to people through the plants through plant medicine through plant wisdom through plant healing and it means that i have a, a profound connectedness with nature and a love of nature and and also an inner calling um, to take care of, of our beautiful planet.
1: Did that love of plants come to you suddenly? Or is it something you've always had? Or has it grown and changed for you over the years?
0: I think it's grown and changed. And I think an awareness of who I am is what has grown and changed over the years as well. So I may have always loved plants and nature and not really been aware of that because it wasn't part of the environment which I grew up in in suburbia but for example something that really surprised me was discovering when I was a kid my parents took home movies right so and that was at that time that was like eight millimeter home movie camera
1: I remember it well
0: Excellent. So at uh, at some point, my mother very wisely said, You know, we've got reels and reels and reels of these things. We'll never watch them all. Why don't we put them, compile them together and make like an hour or whatever, it, you know, it was of, of one film? So she did that. And then one day the family got together to watch it. And I can't tell you how truly surprised I was that the last frame that she chose for this compilation was me at about maybe two years old, maybe a little younger, running right up to the camera with my hand outstretched, holding a dandelion flower in front of me like, look, look at this, look at this
1: treasure. Awesome.
0: So some part of me knew, yeah, yeah, but I had no recollection of that.
1: So plants clearly have been talking to you and calling you for an awfully long time. When did you start paying attention to their voice?
0: Ah, uh, good question. Great question. I I think I fell in love or realized that I truly was in love with nature when I was about maybe 19 or 20 years old. Two things happened. One is that I I I took off from college. And I worked several jobs to save money, and I went traveling uh, with my best girlfriend. And I realized as we traveled around the Mideast and Europe how much I love nature. And then when I came home from that journey, which was really a life altering journey, I moved out to Northern California, to Santa Cruz, to Redwood Country, to the Pacific Ocean, and where it meets Monterey Bay. And at that point, it was Obvious to me, though I was not an herbalist, I was really, really focused on on my writing. But at that point, it was so obvious to me that I was absolutely in love with the natural world,
1: with animals and plants and- so when you were in on that tour through Europe in the middle east mm-hmm. was there a specific moment? Was there some plant in particular that touched you it 's
0: interesting. I wasn't aware of particular and specific plants. I didn't yet have my eyes opened to that. But when you ask me, you know, an image flashes in my mind of when I moved back from California of driving cross country west to east in a, in a rental van and some tree, some just some random tree. I don't know what it was in Utah um, one evening. You know, just like kind of floored me, made me stop completely, stop and look at it, and and kind of know this was the center of everything, of my world. Uh, but I don't know what tree it was. And, and when I was in the Mideast in particular, there was a period of some months where I was camping in the Sinai, and I don't know what the plants were. You know, the palm trees, the this that, but it was nature. It was it was nature. It wasn't specifically. A plant. But if we fast forward to my late 20s, I began to have dreams. And the first plant that called to me in a dream was the elder tree, which is kind of has such a wonderful multi-layers of meaning, right? Because the elder tree, the knowledge of the elders, of the ancestors, right? An elder is a sacred and wisdom tree, The first tree that called me was really in my imagination, not even in, you know, the garden or the forest or the jungle.
1: So what did you do after that dream with the elder tree? Was there one where you lived at that time? Was there an elder tree you could go to?
0: I I didn't even know it was an elder tree yet.
1: So how did you know?
0: I started spiritual studies and even went into spiritual teaching at, at quite a young age. And I really didn't, uh, my spirituality was a little more, a lot more disconnected from life on earth. And at a certain point, something in my inner knowing knew that I needed to connect this very real spiritual understanding I had of, of how everything is connected and everything is made of the same cosmic stuff of consciousness, I knew that I needed to connect it with like daily life on Earth. Um, not only for myself, but because of what I observed in people around me who were, quote-unquote, very spiritual. I saw them stuck in their heads a lot and stuck in concepts that they weren't necessarily integrating into their lives, and I I realized that I was also um, doing that or not doing that, as the case was. So I began to search, and who knows where this really arose from. I believe it was from my, you know, innate calling or from my ancestry, physical and spiritual, but I got this idea in my mind to study herbal medicine and I looked for various teachers. I wasn't sure who was right for me or what kind of path was right for me. I and mean, It's not like now where, where, you know, you can go online and, and find more than you, you know, more than you bargained for. Um, but eventually, eventually, I did find a wise woman and decided to go study with her. And I essentially quit my job. Subleased my apartment and went, uh, left Manhattan to go live upstate and study. And I've never looked
1: back. That's a major commitment. So this was before the elder dream or after the elder dream?
0: Ah, thank you. Right, I forgot that piece of this story. So as I was preparing to go up there, I began to dream about a tree. And in the dream, I would be hiding uh, under the tree. I'd be in danger. I'd be sleeping under the tree. I'd be able to be invisible under the tree. I had no idea what this tree was. And when I went
1: up to to the country. So just to say you had the dream with this tree more than once. The tree was reoccurring.
0: Yes. Yes. Ah. And and then I went to the country and I saw this ratty looking tree in her garden. And it was it was late October, and and the you know the bugs had eaten it to bits, and and most things were already harvested. That's why it was kind of ratty looking, and and I was like, oh, that's the tree from my dream. What is the name of that tree? And you know, I was told, oh, that's the elder tree, and there's much magic and medicine and myth and lore about this tree. So I was very excited to discover that, and you know, have been learning more ever since and now i have beautiful beautiful elder trees in my gardens and whenever branches break off i root them and give them to people so they can plant
1: them that's beautiful so tell me a little bit about the elder tree what is what's the mythos of the elder tree and its medicinal properties
0: okay and, and let's let's put this into the um into the context the matrix of now Right, because we know that we're in such a period of, of, of dire uh, transformation of, of need for um, need for transformation. Elder is a guide. Elder is a guide through the chaos of transformation. Elder is like a wise great 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 grandmother. And what this tree tells me is that she has come both from the stars, and from deep underneath the surface of the earth. And if you look, as I know you do, at the creation stories from various traditions around the world, this is a common theme, right, is that we have the underworld, the surface world, and the world above by whatever names, right, by whatever names. So elder, when you take a plant that helps you to journey, whether that's a classically considered, you know psychedelic or entheogenic, or whatever term we're using now uh, plant, right How it helps you you can in an ideal situation, you can talk to your ancestors. and perhaps you can talk to your own self in other lifetimes. Elder can help people with this. Elder brings forth the ancient wisdom.
1: I've never heard of Elder as a psychedelic.
0: Well, here's my two cents. All plants are consciousness altering. If you come to a plant with a sincere desire to have your mind or heart opened, enlightened, transformed, awakened, almost any plant will do that for you. Because the plants carry the wisdom of the planet and the plants carry the most important medicine of knowing who they are and who they are in relationship to everything around them. And this is the medicine that we need right now in order to be able to essentially, in my thinking, what we need to do at this time is take back. The earth. So I'm not saying that elder is hallucinogenic. However, I am saying that elder is profoundly consciousness altering, and um, the physical medicine of elder is is um, has many many uh, layers to it. And interestingly, in the places where elder is native. The flowers are used more than the berries. In in fact, in some places in Scandinavia, they don't use the berries at all for medicine. Whereas in the modern scientific context, the berries are where the primary focus is, um, where the scientific tests have been done and and so forth. Um, Looking at elder as a, a fantastic medicine to help People uh, who have various strains of flu, um, most of the tests have shown that Elder is more uh, effective than any known flu pharmaceutical medication,
1: which, of course,
0: makes me smile. Um, but I, I would suggest flowers.
1: You know, I'm, I'm a partner in a place called the Alchemist Kitchen, which is Revolver's you know, yes. uh, botanical dispensary and tonic bar in Manhattan. Yes,
0: I love it. Well, I love it. Well,
1: Well, thank you very much. And the elderberry shot that we have, the elderberry elixir shot, um, during cold season is particularly popular and people will come and just take a, you know, take essentially a thimble full of, of elderberry elixir. And it really helps to kick out that flu, um, or it it starts to come on.
0: So elder makes people stronger, uh, on every level. And what I always look for um, as an herbalist and as a, a wise woman herbalist, as a, as a green witch, if you will, is that the physical medicine and the spiritual medicine mirror one another. And I find that it is always true. If if what is being said about the spiritual medicine is true, then there will be a correlation that is observable between the physical and the spiritual, which is sort of like how in astrology, you know, it said, as above, so below. So um, I, I'll, I'll just add this one thing because maybe it helps uh, to make what I'm saying about elders consciousness medicine more um, graspable, if you will, is physically elderflower in a tea form or in an infusion form um less so in as food but it, they do make absolutely divinely delicious fritters um but elderflowers in a in a tea are particularly gifted at increasing circulation they're really high in bioflavonoids and they they help the circulation so they're really good for blood flow and veins and arteries and skin and so if we think about this in a Now, on the more um, less mundane level, uh, the the so called immaterial or invisible levels that some people can see just fine, um, circulation is is about like feeling that connectedness that we have that that our breath circulates and returns to us from the plants and the trees and goes out as well to the plants and trees, and that we when we put our feet right, on, on the earth, right, it's an energy exchange, right, so that kind of circulation raises the, or I don't even like raises, I, I like increases and deepens our consciousness of our connectedness, and that consciousness empowers us, it, it makes us care, um, It's 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 vitally important right now.
1: You talk about how the plants have their own presence or intelligence and you can connect with each one. What's the practice for doing that? If you wanted to recommend to somebody a way of connecting with a plant that they feel particularly called to have a relationship with.
0: You know, it's the same practice as when you want to get to know somebody that you're attracted to. You need to give it's some time. You need to give that person time, right? You need to give that plant some time. This is probably the greatest challenge right now is to stop. So if I am here where I am right now, right, in unfamiliar territory on an island off the coast of Mexico, and I see a tree or a plant that I don't know the name of, um, but I'm drawn, what I need to do is sit under that tree. Let's say it's a tree. I sit under that tree. Maybe I draw the tree, or maybe I breathe and consciously offer my breath, understanding that physically plants and trees inhale what we exhale. And we inhale what plants and trees exhale. Okay, we they breathe in the oxygen. Um, I mean, we breathe in the oxygen. They breathe in the carbon dioxide. So breathing with a plant is an excellent way um, to begin to quiet your mind, to hear as all of the healers have always done. How do we know? How plants are helpful to us because we listen, and the plants tell us the transitional step from merely reading, where we all start right with a book or listening to our teacher, and you know, más menos, uh, more or less, believing everything they tell us, is when we start to hear and experience for ourselves. So those are a few ways, which of course I detail in my in my books, and, and I have exercises, simple practices I call them um, for how to do this, how to because, how to reconnect with nature, how to reconnect with plants, with trees, uh, with animals, with birds. This is what will give us the joy that we need to be able to sustain. The work it takes to take back our earth from corporations made up of people, however we want to frame this, will give us the joy we need to sustain the energy level to do the work that we have to do, that I believe we are here at this point in
1: time specifically to do. So I love how you equate the connection that you can have with a plant, the information you can get from the plant, the guidance you can get from a plant with the powerful experiences that many people are having, with plant spirit medicine, which mm-hmm. most folks sort of think of as, quote unquote, drugs. And then they think, well, mm-hmm. other plants are not drugs. And it sounds to me like you approach this more as a continuum.
0: Yes. And I, I don't think plants are drugs unless we turn them into drugs. Plants are,
1: are beings. And when you say turn them into drugs, you mean process them in such a way where you're just... You're, you're, you're extracting.
0: Process them in a, in a way that changes.
1: That changes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. If you can develop your own sense of presence, if you can develop your own attention to presence and be present with a plant in a certain way. You can pick up what it is offering you and it then can lead you somewhere. Perhaps some plants are more pronounced in the way that they do that than others. But you're saying that all plants make that available to us.
0: Yes, I am. I am actually saying that. I'm saying the grass, you know, the grass on the ground mm-hmm. um, can teach you everything that you need to know if that's the one that you feel connected with, right? Because think about it, even, even the simplest grass knows everything about preventing erosion of soil. Soil is what grows all of our food, is, is grown in the soil. So again, it's this incredible web of, of, of connectedness. You know, I'm, I'm going to just veer for a minute. I always remember something that one of my many beloved nephews said to me once. He said, Robin, I'm jealous of you witches. And I said, Taryn, what on earth are you talking about? He said, well, all you need to do is go outside and you're all happy.
1: <laughs> that's beautiful
0: and i said yes that's beautiful it's true it is true It is true. So, you know, it is that, again, when I was doing my um, initial years of spiritual work, I had a lot of understandings. I had a lot of wisdom. um, Maybe not as much emotional intelligence as would have been good at the time, but I was very young. But, you know, I didn't have the joy that I see comes from nature, from feeling part of connected to nature. Which for me is through the plants, you know, and the trees, but it is, you know, it's also the moon and the ocean and the mountains and the, you know, it's, a, it is a continuum. A few minutes ago or moments ago, you said, so if you sit with that plant, it maybe it can take you somewhere. And that is true. And the place that it takes you is into the heart of who you are. And that is the essence of what gives us the juice to do whatever it is we're here to do. So the there is always here, here in the heart of who you uniquely are. You know, that was my primary commitment when I left my first kind of residential herbal apprenticeship. Um, We had to each choose something that we were stating, that we were intending, that we were committing to. And mine was to become who I really am, to become who I came here to be, which is myself, whoever that is. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much,
1: Plants seem to be talking to a good number of people at this point, at least in my crazy circle, with a real sense of urgency about what's happening to the planet, but also a kind of, how should I put it, beatific, sympathetic understanding that somehow the planet will probably survive, and the plants will somehow probably survive, even though there may be a lot of suffering on the part of us monkeys. I'm wondering how you're experiencing that kind of message and when and how it had come to you.
0: It's such a complex conversation, what you just brought up, because I do feel limitless joy in the rivers and in essence of, of the trees. But there are times when I feel, and, and I feel anger, from some of the animals. I feel anger sometimes from land on which really violating things have happened. But underneath is a vast love and a vast acceptance of what is. And somehow, this is maybe the hardest piece of all, is if we can work on changing things from that consciousness that it is what it is. It is what it is, not this shouldn't have happened. This shouldn't be happening. This is very tricky stuff. But if we can transform anything from that place, even if it's make it about yourself, like, oh, I wish I didn't get angry so often or impatient so often. If we can get through that piece to, ah, this is what I experienced now. This is how I, this is still what I'm doing then transformation happens almost automatically.
1: It's so hard right now for many people because, I mean, especially recently, things are so polarized. Oh gosh. The anger is so close to the surface. Mm -hmm. So many of us experience, you know, just looking at the news every day as a kind of slap in the face or kick in the gut. And you just want to bash back. (sighs) What What would you recommend to people as a way of working with plants or nature in order to somehow overcome that initial impulse?
0: Well, stay attuned to what is eternally real. That's the way to engage in social justice and activism without losing your heart, without losing your soul. It's like you cannot just exhale all the time. It's essential to feed yourself with what is under the surface of the dramas of our day, because then you have the energy in whatever form you are called to be a part of the solutions of our time, right? Whatever that is, whether it's uh, as a mother, father, whether it's as a, you know, a person who's going into the camps where people are suffering uh, simply because they're seeking refuge you know what i mean there's there's just such an endless barrage of important things to, and to attend to if you don't feed yourself with what brings you in touch with what's real and in touch with what is joyful the beauty of the world the beauty of what humans also are capable of in addition to the horrors that humans are capable of then you cannot be sustainable For me, that's a really key piece of the puzzle. I don't claim to have, you know, quote unquote, the answer or the answers. I think we need all of us contributing our perspective to the whole picture. You know, one of the places where we go so far wrong is thinking that if I know what's a great route for me, then that's the route you should be on too. We attack our allies. And that is really counterproductive. Right? We attack our allies for not doing it the way we think they should or uh, the way we wish they were. Does that, is that making any kind of sense to you? Oh, well, of, of course. I love the bringing in of art. I love the bringing in of theater. I love the bringing in of music and humor to our um, outrage. I'm not saying we shouldn't be outraged. But I am saying if I'm outraged and filled with hate, I am not part of the solution. If I'm outraged because I'm so filled with love for all that I love, for all that I want to be well, then my outrage is more effective.
1: What I'm finding exciting is that the, the, in certain scenes, including the, the witchy scene that seems to gather at the alchemist's kitchen, there's less attention on outrage. Than there is on creating a nurturing culture that's actually in sync with nature, with plants and the planet.
0: Yes, and and perhaps
1: we can have both. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about that, like how, because it feels like what we're in the middle of is building something that is here to grow and to step up and to be embraced after the castle's burned down. You can see the castle is already smoldering. There's some earthquakes that are going on, you know, just on the other side of the moat.
0: I you know what? I would like to respond to you with a
1: poem I wrote recently.
0: May I? Please. Yes, please do. Okay. It's called it's called Take Back the Earth. All for one and one for all, can't we heed the hearts you call? Rancor running out of all proportion leads to every sort of distortion. The truth suffers blows when each one thinks she knows what everyone else should see, who everyone else should be. Love thyself, yes, to thine own self be true. And remember that everyone out there is a reflection of you, of a piece of your heart that's whole or torn apart. It takes courage to see there was no one out there but me. True power is seated when this truth is heeded. Love is what is needed. Hatred must be seated. Those who know must show it's time to take back our earth with serious irreverence with our grief and our mirth. Let the future story be told that fueled by love for the earth, waves of people power rose for all we were worth. Hard work? Yes, it is. But don't we want to be known as the people that riz, that took back the earth and fostered rebirth, that cared about each child and treasured the wild? I want this to be true. So now it's up to me and you. Can't we band together and see this through? Take back the earth, take care of each child, treasure one another and treasure the wild.
1: Oh, that was great. Thank you. Mm, Thank you. You know, so many people who are hearing this are going through the stress and the difficulties of this challenging time. Yeah, me too. We all, <laughs> we all are. What kind of plants are you working with right now to help to reduce that stress and to help mm-hmm. you release the aggression? Yes. And connect to what really matters?
0: I gratefully drink teas uh, or use tinctures in water from plants such as white pine. White pine is the tree of peace. I use uh, comatives like Leonaris cardiaca, the lion-hearted one, motherwort, in a way like bringing the energy of mother scolding the bad child. Like, enough, stop that. You know, you, you must stop that. We're in a different place now, and you cannot keep doing that. You cannot keep putting that in the river. No, stop that. So um, wherever we can bring humor, we must because it's what will help us last through this. Um, What else do I like to use? Um, Baths, water. Water is such an incredible healer. If it's only water and a bath, that's a fantastic medicine. But of course, you can add plants like lavender or I particularly suggest roses, making a tea of of rose buds or rose petals, um, because rose not only helps your heart to be healthy and strong and open. Rose also has those marvelous thorns. The whole not every plant in the Rose family, but many plants in Rose family have thorns, to also be able to claim your sacred space, your sense of self, your own self-respect. But in addition to that, uh, a secret, not so secret now, wisdom of roses that I do not claim to understand, but I've seen it again and again, is rose helps you hear another's perspective with more compassion. And that's vitally important right now. You know, we just know I'm right and you're wrong. And that's not getting us anywhere. That is not getting us anywhere. So. Compassion. Uh, roses help open our compassion, but not in like a gooey, you know, mushy, mushy way. Right. Because we also have those great thorns. Right. Yeah.
1: So would you recommend when a couple of people are sitting down to iron out their differences that they have a pot of rose tea, rose hip tea?
0: I would indeed, or rose flower tea, or rose hip tea, or yep, absolutely, or have their feet, oh, I love this image, have their feet in foot baths uh, filled with rose infusion.
1: (laughs) Maybe they should have all of their feet in one bath of rose infusion.
0: That's exactly what I meant. That's exactly what I was picturing, right? Four feet in one tub, knees touching, and go try to have a fight.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is what should be happening right now. At the Supreme Court, I think that they, before um, they open up the next conversation, the next discussion about Roe versus Wade, they all got to take off their f- shoes and pluck their feet into one big tub of rose hip infusion, and
0: that'd be marvelous. Yeah, let, that'd be marvelous. We'll have a yeah. conversation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's use the flowers though, because you think about how the flowers are open. And it's about using the, the uh, gift of the plant to help you open so much of
1: what's going on in the country at the moment feels like wounds being displayed in high definition video on massive screens in an overwhelming visual assault you bet. on all of us and then're we're, we're seeing the wounds out and forward in a way that forces you to react and pull back and get scared and you know, live in fear. And I see the world around the plants as a new approach to healing that could have profound, beautiful impact on those who are suffering from these wounds.
0: It goes back again to discovering who you are, because it is never your only choice to live in fear. And as you uncover your own gifts and walk your path, right? What is it that you long to do to help to contribute? When you're doing that, it begins to be the antidote. And the wounds are the wounds, right? What are wounds for? They are to reveal where hurts have been inflicted and to be healed. So, you know, seeing them. Is not creating them. Seeing them is seeing what is going on, what's been going on.
1: The reaction to seeing the wound shouldn't be fear or let's make that wound deeper. It should be a, um, an act of compassion towards understanding where the wound came from so that you can participate in the healing of the wound, so you can move past the wound. And that part of the conversation really feels like it's been dropped out of our public discourse.
0: Yes, the the most important things are happening just underneath the level of visibility. The most important conversations that are going on right now, the most real and healing conversations and energies and movements are just shy of the public eye, but they are happening. And I think it's important that anyone who is seeing them hearing them, aware of them, uh, be very vocal about it or artistic, you know, create, create things
1: that show it. Where are you noticing those conversations taking place?
0: Well, for example, this year, as when I took uh, stepped away from my life as I am, have been typically living it, which is maybe not such a typical life to begin with, but I stepped away and I've been traveling in various parts of the world. And everywhere I've gone, there are small groups of people creating communities, doing good work, learning how to work land, permaculture, focused on sustainability, focused on healing themselves, focused on making changes in their local governments. I mean, I've seen it in Ireland. I've seen it in Greece. I've seen it in Mexico. And I've seen lots of places where it's not happening where it's not obvious, like I, I'm looking at a, a the Saba tree, right? The Saba tree is the, the sacred tree of, of all the Mayan cosmology. And I was in a, a place in Tulum where there was a glorious tree, and the inside of it was stuffed with garbage and bottles. And I, I looked at it and just, you know, broke down and cried. So, yes, there's places where we don't see the wounds being healed, but then... All around it, there's like a, a sound healing group and a crystal chakra balancing group, and a you know a, a new government. Uh, more more women were elected in Mexico than ever before. You know, so so I'm seeing the conversations happening, though they're not uh, in the major news outlets at all, right? Because the people in, who are benefiting from the status quo, however temporarily or or however in, in the illusion that they're benefiting from the status quo of, uh, are obviously not interested in each of us hearing how many of us are awakening
1: do women have a more intimate relationship to plants than men
0: ah uh, that's such a you know it's that's such a tricky question um, i think women have a more intimate relationship with relationship Than men. (laughs) Right. And so it extends outward. But I also think that it is then, you know, whatever, wherever you are more gifted than another or differently gifted, then it is your task to share more and teach more and give more of that gift. And I have seen that in traditional medicine pathways as well that the women hold the connection to the earth and then bring their male counterparts in on that connection. And that's perhaps a really gross simplification. But I have a, a women's apprenticeship circle and a men's apprenticeship circle. I keep them separate, which is getting tricky in the age of, of gender fluidity. But but the men love, have, from what they tell me and what I see, they absolutely love having a place where they can be together, in a supportive, non-competitive environment, and open up their vulnerability, and open up their relationship with each other and the plants. So I think it's it's time for that. And you know, men men's relationship to the plants needs to be nurtured too.
1: I ask in part because what I've been seeing is a powerful women's-led, witchy herbalist movement that is um, really taking on so much energy and becoming, as you're suggesting just now, global in terms of reconnecting to indigenous uh, lineages and understanding the connection between the moon, the ocean, the plants, natural cycles, and health and wellness. And in parallel, there's this kind of much more male energy-based biohacking world, which is more about optimizing health and wellness by arriving at, you know, using plants, certainly, as part of the regime, but also focusing in on specific chemicals or molecules or practices that can tweak your physiology and your mental states in order to raise you to another level of performance. And it tends to be much more mechanistic in its approach and less feeling-based, less intuitive I'm wondering if you're seeing the same thing.
0: Oh yeah, I see it a lot. But again, I I don't want to create more wars with one another. I just find that this this way of being relationship-based is so natural to us that when people are introduced to it, it makes them feel really good and really happy. And then they want more of this. And the more we have of it, the better it is for our world.
1: And so as people go deeper in their connection to plants and wellness. It can move them away from the traditional allopathic medicine paradigm.
0: Yeah, well let's not use let's not use the word traditional there, right? Because allopathic practice is not traditional. It is modern, it is conventional, but traditional is a word that means something. It means or, oh, you know, it refers to something that has been in existence over a long period of time, right? Like shamanism, or green witchery. These are traditional paths. Conventional medicine is not that. So we are brainwashed.
1: So it's 150 years old, let's say, something like that. Yeah,
0: even even if you want to give it 250, you know, it's still, it, it is not something that has withstood thousands of years.
1: But it's emerged in the modern period with a model of what it is to be human that basically treats the body like a machine and pushes the body until it breaks. And then you go to a hospital, then you go to essentially the mechanic, and they find the piece that's broken, and they effectively will replace it or find some way to mend it. But it's not necessarily approaching your health through the perspective of your overall wellness and your connection to the planet. No,
0: I know. And, and, you know, and I would guess that most people who listen to your, you know, to Evolver podcast are in, are pretty much in agreement with that. And that, you know, conventional medicine is, is great at what it's great at, uh, fixing things, but it's, it's terrible at healing. It doesn't, it doesn't work at healing, right? It works at, it works at, like you said, fixing something that's broken, and, and an interesting analogy we can make is, is if something like in the modern world has caused the problem, then often we're going to need modern medicine to help. Like if, if a truck hits a person, we, we do want modern medicine, right, to work on putting us back together. But on the other hand, then we want to follow up with herbs and energy work to actually restore function, to restore, um, you know, to, to help reduce scar tissue and to bring movement uh, to where the bones have been set. You know, and the other thing is, is that healing, you know, then we get into that. What is healing? What is healing? Is it, you know, being able to live another day? Or is it being able to live with uh, a sense of enormous joy and gratitude at being alive in a body? I, I think we need to strive for greater forms of healing. And I think that, you know, working with magic, with real magic, whether you are a witch or you are a shaman, what you see is that reality is the most magical thing there is. Reality is constantly being conjured and created. And so when we bring joy and great irreverent respect for the mystery of reality, then what happens is new abilities come to life in each of us. This is not a specialized thing. And I, I think this is so empowering to even have that idea to walk forward with, because then you have to have the invitation to, to realize
1: even know there's a door to walk through. How do you develop your witchy connection? Is there something that you do Is there a practice that you follow?
0: There there are numerous practices that I follow. One that I highly recommend to everyone is to work with the cycles of the moon. I've been doing new moon uh, ritual circles for years and years and years before it became like the contemporary exciting new trend that it is. But to work with the cycles of the moon, learning how to, first of all, just notice the cycles of the moon. Second of all, work in meditation at the dark moon, the new moon, which we happen to be recording under, to set intention, specific intention for yourself to practice. For a month, so that you are, it's very much akin to planting a seed in the earth. It goes into the dark, and then you pay attention to it, you water it, or you put food into the earth, and then that plant will begin to grow, right? To come up and out into the light. So, what we do is we set an intention at the dark of the moon, and we bring it to light by the full moon two weeks later. And then the next two weeks of the cycle, Are focused on how to incorporate the effects of having set that intention, how to incorporate that into your mind, heart, body, and soul into your life, and see how it's changed anything for you. So, the reason why I suggest this is a wonderful practice is because we in our cultures have become so attuned to the solar cycles of light that we need to bring back into our lives this more dark, intuitive, psychic, magical, female lunar cycle. So that's a fantastic practice. And of course, it can be augmented by using wonderful herbal teas, whether it is mugwort tea to stimulate your opening of of what's commonly called your third eye and what I lovingly call your first eye, the eye that sees truth the eye that sees into other dimensions the eye that sees the beauty that is always present sometimes if you're just too kind of stressed to quiet your mind using the term mind to represent mind heart body soul then a plant medicine like oat straw oats infusion avena sativa can be a wonderful tea to use for calming yourself physically and emotionally enough to be able to meditate at all, to to envision at all. So practices of stopping the world and going and listening inside, turning the news off. I'm not saying put your head in the sand, but again, it's, it's think of the yin and the yang within the circle. And then that circle is within the spiral. I think we need to bring our consciousness from the circle to the spiral because the circle keeps us in this mode of everything just repeats and repeats and repeats and repeats and repeats. And and then we get so frustrated and tired of it all. But if we consider that, that yin and the yang in the circle also move through time and become a spiral, right? Which is one of the basic forms of creation itself, right? Spiral galaxy that we live in, right? Spiral uh, chromosomes and so forth. So when our yin yang circle Moves through time and becomes a spiral. Then we can actually look, look and see, ah, you know, by, by setting intention month after month after month over years, I see how I've created a new life for myself. And can I, I've, you know, taught so many thousands of wonderful, wonderful students at this point. I know that what I'm seeing is not true only for me. It's true for anyone who will give their time, attention, open their minds to the possibility that magic is available in every moment. And the more of us that have that empowerment, the more this world will change how it operates because it's operating against every natural impulse that we have. It is not operating in the natural way of interconnection and coexistence that is actually in the, the way of nature. So it's working so against nature that the more of us who wake up and embody nature and how we live our lives and how we do our relationships and how we respect one another. I'm not saying become perfect. That's not a reachable goal. And it would be incredibly boring besides, (laughs) right? But but the more of us who live in sync and harmony with who we really are in all of our unique, idiosyncratic, marvelous, you know, ways, um, but respecting that in each other, the more the world that we see mirrored to us and all the horrors that we see will transform with less and less efforting because more of us will be awake together. It, it, this is absolutely not a, you know, a, a lone wolf show or a lone wolf time. We cannot do this without one another.
1: I feel so much the same way. And the way that so many people are now discovering how to work with plants feels like a central part of that reimagining of what it is to really be interconnected and working together Yeah, as part of a community.
0: Yeah. And let's take it one more step out from that, because I don't think I've mentioned this at all. And it's it's such a vital piece of the picture is, is the elements, the air, the fire, the water, the earth that we are made of, that everything is made of. We have, see, these are natural resources that are less visible. They're not coal or solar or wind, right? But the intelligence of air is clarity. The intelligence of fire is energy and passion, curiosity to learn. The energy of water is the power of flow, of, of dreaming. The energy of earth is, is the power of Nurturing and stability, right? The elements are available to help all of us. So we need to also realize that we're, it's not only humans. And you said something about this right at the very beginning of our conversation. It's not only humans who are looking to bring healing to the picture. And for humans to stay even remotely sane throughout this process, we must bring in, invite in, ask the help of. Everyone else, everyone else, meaning the elements, the plants, the animals, the stones, the birds, so on. So we can't do it without the support of all these aspects of nature.
1: Have you established your connection to all these elements of nature in a more formal or ceremonial way by maybe?
0: Yeah, every single morning, every single morning. I am outside greeting each of the elements and giving thanks for the day every morning. Yes and and so and then that will remind me of what's real. Right? And then if I turn on the the you know the computer and I get the inundation of urgent, shocking, horrible, we're devastated, we're I mean it's just so much. So I begin my day with what's eternal.
1: And you have, I assume, a garden at home?
0: I do. But if I'm in the middle of the city, I can stick my head out the window,
1: if need be. You stick your head out the window to do that, to to establish that connection with the elements.
0: Yes, to turn to the elements and greet them and remember them and thank them and
1: invoke them. It's a beautiful thing. Robin, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really wonderful to have you on.
0: Uh, oh, thank you. And thank you for what you do, for who you are and what you do that grows out of who you are.
1: <laughs> well, that's very sweet of you. Sending you the best wishes for completion of your novel. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you when you're back on the East Coast. Enjoy the rest of your time in Mexico and uh, keep working on that Spanish.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Okay. Take care, Robin. Ciao.
0: You too, Ken. Bye-bye.
1: I've always felt uncomfortable with what feels like a superficial appropriation of Native American or indigenous spiritual practices by gringos. But the underlying awareness guiding those practices an appreciation of the four elements, of the cycles of the moon and stars, of the special intelligence held by each plant and the ways they help us to heal, that has deep wisdom to it. A wisdom that some witches Are Now reinventing for the modern world to make that wisdom a part of your life requires a reconsideration of how you think of yourself What you put into your body? How you use your time? Ultimately, it's about understanding that you are in relationship with everything that's around you that you're porous And in flow the more sensitive you become to those relationships The more you gravitate to the ones that enrich your health And plants can guide the way. I want to thank Robin Rose Bennett for being a guest on the podcast. And thank you, too, for joining us. You can find out more about Robin on her website, RobinRoseBennett.com. Bennett's got two N's and two T's. She also has a plant medicine series on YouTube. And she posts on Instagram at at bennett. Wise Woman Healing Ways is her Facebook page. Upcoming classes for Robin include a webinar with Susan Weed on November 11th on Herbs for Chakra Healing and the Art of Herbal Medicine Making series at the New York Open Center that starts on November 13th. If you like what we're doing here at The Evolver, share it with your friends on social media, tell friends over coffee, and leave a comment on iTunes. That's actually really helpful for us. Even just a rating. It'd be great if you could do that. Really would appreciate it. Follow us on Instagram at The Evolver Podcast and on Facebook at Evolver Social Movement. Remember to subscribe to The Evolver on iTunes, Google Play, Acast, or on the podcatcher of your choice. And you can reach us by email at theevolver at evolver.net. I want to thank our producer, Jose Alfaro, and the Acast team. Our theme music is Measure by Measure by Paul D. Miller, aka DJ Spooky, from his album The Secret Song. And our interstitial music are tracks by the human experience. Sunu from the album Soul Visions with Rising Appalachia. And here for a moment on the album Gone, Gone Beyond. Please check them out. That's all for now. We'll be back next week.
0: Find the other's.